the praise that we could muster up couldn't even come close to what you're deserving of. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We come to worship you, Lord. Come to praise your glorious name. And even in that, receiving our praise, your graciousness continues to pour back on us. For you inhabit the praise of your people, and the nearness of our God is our good. So even in your receiving, your giving, thank you, Lord. You are truly God, and you are truly good, and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's good to see everyone here this morning. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you all. And uh, we, uh, we love uh, honoring our fathers. Uh, so if you're here today and, and you're a dad, uh, doesn't matter if they're, they're in the house, out of the house, or even if they're of your blood, maybe your stepdad, maybe your foster dad. But we want to honor you. Would you please stand up this morning that we might honor you dads. God bless you. Thankful for you. Praying for you. And just know that God is uh, using you to change the world. Honestly. Josh McDowell, who is a, a, an expert in this department, says that the most powerful position in the world is the position of a father. Not the president of the United States of America, not the head of a corporation, not, it's a father. For the father has uh, the greatest ability to mold and shape a life. Not, to, not to, to speak less of our moms. We know that they are absolutely essential and important to, to handle those things that dads aren't good at. But fathers, you are the most powerful man in the world. Think about that. You're the most powerful man in the world in the life of your wife and your children. And so we honor you today. We want to encourage you today. Keep up the good work. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to, to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. Uh, it's actually the same passage of Scripture that I preached on Mother's Day. <laughs> it's the same passage of Scripture. And now some of you men are saying, hey, wait, back up. Uh, <laughs> But just two verses down. First Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, Paul is, is writing to the church in Thessalonica. The believers in Thessalonica come together as a body. We call that a church. And uh, he is writing to them to encourage them. Now, I'm going to give you the history about this church in just a second. But, but I want you to see verse 11. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. And it, and it says, and you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father. As a father. Now, if you were here for Mother's Day, you can back up to verse 7. You might recognize this passage of Scripture, chapter 2, verse 7 of 1 Thessalonians. But we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother. So we, Paul is saying to the church in Thessalonica, we were to you like a mom taking care of her little ones and like a dad. And so this morning, we're going to kind of look at the difference there. We're not, not really going to come back and preach on the moms, but, but really what is the role of a father and how we, every one of us who are uh, a part of the body of Christ, 
Paul didn't have any children. Paul was single. Paul didn't have any children physically, but he had a whole bunch of them spiritually. And he said, I, I, keep, I keep tabs on you. I keep wanting to encourage you, comfort you as, as a father with his own children. And so the, the history of the church in Thessalonica, you can find in Acts chapter 17. And, and uh, I'm not going to be reading from this. You don't have to turn there, but you can if you want to go back and study it on your own time. In Acts chapter 17, Paul was on his second missionary journey. And they are taking a, another apostolic tour uh, through a region. And, and they go into the city of Thessalonica. And they spend three weeks preaching in the synagogues to the Jews. And in those three weeks, uh, they had a few, a few Jewish converts. But quite a few uh, Gentile converts came to Christ. And, uh, and, and when the... And, 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 appears to be that when the Gentiles came to Christ, the Jews really got upset over that, and they began to persecute uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy. And so uh, they, they go, uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy go into the house of a young Christian named Jason, and as they go in there, uh, they're, they're kind of hidden away from this mob that's wanting to, to uh, martyr them, basically. So the mob grabs Jason, takes him into the city center, and basically demands of him a, a bribe. You know, sometimes in these third world countries, you have to grease the wheels of economy a little bit, and, and that's kind of the way these people were working. And so they recognized that this thing was getting very hostile and that they had to get Paul out of there. So they got Paul out of here, there and sailed him, sailed him away from this region uh, because... Uh, I've jumped the gun a little bit. As they left Thessalonica, because things got heated there, they go down uh, to the city of Derby, and the Jews wasn't good enough that they run them out of Thessalonica. They followed them down there to the next city, and they knew that it was a it was a, a danger of death, and so they got Paul out of there. But Paul, he had some babies now. He had some spiritual children now in the city of Thessalonica, and he was constantly praying for those. And, uh, and, and later on, he would send Luke. Young Luke would go in and check on the Christians there and would bring back word to Paul because Paul was concerned. He was concerned that those Jewish uh, hostiles had come and changed the minds of these baby Christians. He was concerned that these, these Jewish men who were so upset about Gentiles coming into to faith that they had come and changed the minds of these baby Christians. And so he was concerned and they would constantly kept them in prayer. But then finally he said, I can't go personally because they'll kill me, but I can send Luke in kind of undercover. And so he sends Luke and Luke comes back with good news. Oh, they're still holding strong, Paul. They're doing good, Paul. And so Paul writes a letter to encourage these saints, and we have it right there, 1 Thessalonians. And it's, it's short enough, you can read it before lunch. <laughs> when you leave here, you can read it before lunch. And, and it, it'll encourage you as Paul was checking on his spiritual children. But if you start in verse, chapter, verse 9 of chapter 2, it says, For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day that we might not burden any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. Amen. Amen. And he said, he says, we, we came and we worked hard. We worked hard, but here's the most important thing. We gave you the gospel. We gave you the gospel. And, and he's encouraging these, these young Christians that they would continue in the gospel. And he's encouraged them that the most important thing that ever happened in your life when you were introduced to Jesus. Amen. 
I've seen it over and over and over again that uh, wives praying for their husbands, praying for their husbands. He's just a he's just a menace in the house. Children praying for their dad, and that dad, that husband, comes to Jesus Christ, and overnight they got a new husband, they got a new dad. Amen. Nothing can change your life like a response to the gospel of God. Jesus Christ will absolutely transform your life. And, and this is what Paul is saying. We came preaching Jesus. You responded. Look at verse uh, 10. For you are witnesses in God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. So we got three points. That makes a good sermon, right? Here we go. Let's look at the three points. We, we got three points, and actually we'll about have another three. <laughs> but he said, here was our behavior before you. Here was our behavior. We acted like this. We, we behaved ourselves in this manner. We were devout. I want you to know that this business of being devout is vertical. Our relationship with God was blameless. We, we, were, we were coming with pure motives, bringing to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we, we lived among you in a devout manner. Our relationship vertically was good. That led to a relationship horizontally. Amen? You know, everything in the, in the scriptures, it begins first with our relationship with God. And that overflows into a relationship with one another. I mean, you can see it from beginning to end. You can see it in the Ten Commandments. The first four has our relationship with the Lord laid out. The next six has our relationship with mankind laid out. Jesus says the greatest commandment is all, love the Lord your God, and then love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, and, and, and it is all the way in the Scriptures, and don't get that backwards. Don't think that if I can correct my behavior, it will affect my belief. Belief births behavior. I need to catch that. Belief births behavior. He says, this is how we behaved in front of you. This is how we acted in front of you. And I can, I can try and change my lifestyle. I can try and correct some things and, and turn over a new leaf. But what I really need is a new life. And he said, I preached the gospel to you. You responded. And now you've witnessed an example before you of what this looks like. Because it, it fleshed out in this. My relationship with God always fleshes out with my relationship with people. And here's how I know that my relationship with God might be lacking. Because if someone is quick to get on my nerves, irritate me, aggravate me, you're in my way, taking up my time, you're in, well, it's time to get back to the prayer closet. Amen. It's time to get practice because what it is, it's a litmus test for me to say, uh-oh, if this ain't good, then this isn't either. It's a natural overflow. And so Paul says our behavior, it, 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 it was a testimony to our belief. And so you're witnesses in God also how devoutly, how devoutly our relationship with God and justly our relationship with one another. So he says we were devout. And we were just, we were just, we were, we were in right relationship with you. And that overflowed from a right relationship with God. And then the next one is blameless, and that refers to both. He says, we were blameless in our relationship with God. 
We knew that we came with pure motive. We knew that we were operating out of the overflow of the Lord. We were, we were blameless in our relationship with one another. So recognize, Church of Thessalonica, we came to you with pure hearts. We came to you with the right motives and the right attitude. And so uh, there's no third point, three points. We got past those three points, amen. So now, now let's keep going. So you are witnesses, and God also of how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we, here we go, three more points. Y'all ready for them? We exhorted, we comforted, and we charged. What is the behavior of a father? They exhort, they comfort, and they charge. We don't use that word exhort much except in a church. We'll talk about exhortation. I don't know if you've ever heard that at the parts store. Or the lumber yard, <laughs> not unless you're talking to a preacher. They put on a preacher voice, which annoys the stuffings out of me when they put on a preacher voice. <laughs> you just be real, man. And so we don't use that word exhort, but here's a word we do use, encourage. Encourage. I say that often, and that encouragement is so valuable, and it don't cost you a thing. You can encourage someone and absolutely transfer, transform their life by one little word of encouragement. It'll absolutely change their day, and it didn't cost you a dime. Amen. And, and Paul says, like a father to a child, we have come to encourage you. Now, this is, this is a neat word uh, because it, it, it's, got some, it's got some history to it. It's got some background to it. I want you to look at it there again in your Bibles, and it is verse 11. As you know how we encouraged or exhorted you. It is the Greek word, and, and, and I only tell you Greek words when I can explain it in English. <laughs> so it is, the, it is the Greek word parakaleo. Now everybody knows what para relates to, parallel. Parallel, you, you come alongside, parallel. And then kaleo really is, is, it's not a far stretch from the Greek to the English, and that is to call. That is, we have, we have been called to come alongside you. We've been called to, to come alongside you and, and encourage you, to, 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 to encourage you, and, and, and then it says to comfort you. Interesting word, though, before we jump into comfort, that word parakaleo is the exact same word Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit when he would come alongside us. It's the exact same word. And so, child of God, do you know that God will use you to come alongside Come alongside a young Christian who is, who is needing some encouragement. And, and not just young Christians. I, I was, somebody come to me last week and they were, they were telling me something. And I don't even remember the background, but I stopped them and I said, Can I just tell you, I sure appreciate your encouragement. Because I need it. And there are days when I need it more than others. But we all need encouragement, do we not? We all need to be coming alongside somebody else and saying, you're doing a good job. But you just, just keep it up. Don't give up. And, just, and Paul says, this is the role of a father amongst his children. Dads, one of your greatest, one of your greatest acts in the lives of your children is to encourage them. To encourage them. Amen. But not just earthly fathers, but also spiritual fathers. And just one another. We just, we've been called to encourage one another. So he says we come along encouraging you. 
And then he says, we come along comforting you. To comfort. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't very good at comforting. <laughs> uh, when Christy gets sick, I try my hardest. You know what I mean? I try. I just ain't real good at it. But, but I think, I think uh, uh, and I'm going to work on improving that. I'm going to work on improving. Actually, we know that the Lord uses all of us to comfort one another and encourage one another. But, but isn't it awesome that when someone just comes alongside you, they don't have to say a word? That is comfort. And, and, and men, sometimes that's the best thing we can do, not say a word. <laughs> not say a word. But just, but just come alongside and say, hey, if you need to lean over here on me, you go right ahead. If you need to lean on me a little bit, when, when, when you're limping along, put a little weight on me. Amen. I, uh, I was uh, there in Washington, D.C. Uh, uh, in, in 93, 92 and 93 at uh, Fort, Bel Fort Belvoir. And uh, we would make uh, recent uh, trips into town. And there was a, near the Vietnam Memorial there is a statue of three, three soldiers from the Vietnam uh, era. And there's, there, there's these soldiers, and one is, one is carrying the other one. How many of us have been wounded? You don't have to raise your hand because I know the answer. Every one of us. Every one of us. And sometimes we walk with a limp. Sometimes we, we can't bear all the weight ourselves. And how awesome it is to have brothers and sisters who will come alongside us and say, you can lean on me for a little bit. Until you regain your legs, you can lean on me for a little bit. I'll be glad to just come alongside you, to encourage you, to comfort you. And then here's the next word, to charge you. To charge. Now, um, this word charge is, is kind of goes back to encourage, but that is to, to encourage them to drive forward. Don't quit. You keep, you keep moving forward. Remember, Paul was thinking about his, his young converts there in the city of Thessalonica, and he knew the trouble that they were in. He knew the struggles that they were going through. This was hostile territory that he, even he himself could not go back to. And so there's these, and, and he's a veteran saint doing the work of God in powerful ways seeing miracles and signs and wonders and, and, and doing amazing things. And he says, I can't go back to that city that you live in. I want to encourage you that you would just continue to move forward. Continue moving forward. Don't ever quit. Don't ever get up. Just continue moving forward. And so here, he's, here let's go back again to verse 11. As you know how we exhorted. We comforted and we charged every one of you as a father does his own children. As a father does his own children. Paul says, uh, here's the role of a father. I want y'all to catch this. Because so many men feel ill-equipped because they don't know as much of the scriptures maybe as their wife does. I, I'm telling you, I've had conversation after conversation and because they, 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 they feel like their own personal struggles disqualifies them. And they, they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to be a spiritual leader in their household, how to be a man of God. 
Paul tells us, here's three things that you can do. This is, this is the activity of a father. That you encourage or exhort. That you comfort and you just keep pushing them forward. Amen. If you can do that, men, if you can do that, you have God's word on your role as a father. You are absolutely qualified. You are fully equipped. Why? Because when you responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit moved in. The parakaleo, the one who God called alongside you, will equip you in order that you might do exactly what his scriptures tell you. Remember, this might be Paul talking to the church of Thessalonica, but it's the Holy Spirit talking through Paul. These are inspired scriptures. He said, well, I, I don't know enough Bible I don't know enough Bible to be the spiritual leader of my household. You know enough Bible to respond to the gospel. You know. You know that God absolutely transformed your life. Or if you don't know that, you can know it today. Amen. He can absolutely transform your life today. Because everything Jesus touches, everything Jesus touches changes. And it always changes for the better. Amen. Now I'm going to wrap it up with this. I know this is crazy. I don't ever do this. We're sticking to one passage of Scripture this Sunday. <laughs> uh, Christy asked me last night, so what are, you, what are your Scriptures? I said, First uh, Thessalonians uh, uh, 10, 11, and 12. And she's like, and? That's it. That's it? <laughs> That's it. Look at verse 12. That you... That, you, I need you to see that big word, that. He says, we, we exhort, we comfort, and we charge for the purpose, here's the purpose, that you would walk worthy of God. Well, got quiet in here then. <laughs> How in the world could we walk worthy of God? How in the world could we walk worthy of God? Well, I just need you to understand that uh, it, it's, it's an attempt to represent his name well. Do we walk perfect? No, every one of us are flawed. Every one of us will fail. We all struggle through this life. But if I'm just real with somebody and say, look, uh, I mess up occasionally. But I, I'm really trying to walk worthy Walk worthy of the name. You know, people would rather somebody be real than always right. They would rather you be always real than always right. And so if you could just say, you know what, maybe sometimes I don't represent him fully and completely the way I want, that, that I want to, but let me promise you, I want to. I want to. And Paul says that we come alongside you in order to, to, to encourage you, to comfort you, and to Good game, you. <laughs> Y'all don't know what that means. When you come slap somebody on the backside, say, good game. Guys, don't do that to ladies. Don't do that. <laughs> it's actually a part of our vision statement. If you look on our website, the vision that, that, that we have for our church is that everyone gets in this game. That we're none of us are just spectators sitting on the sidelines, but that everyone gets in this, what we're talking about this morning, the encouraging, comforting, charging business of saying, you know what, you can keep going. 
I don't know sometimes it feels like you just want to set this one out, but you can keep going. And I'm going, yeah, maybe you hit the ditch, but I'm going to pull you up, dust you off. And then when, I, when, when Emily was building the webpage, uh, we said, well, we're not going to say slap them on the butt. We're going to say slap them on the back <laughs> and say, get back in there. Amen. That's, that's the greatest thing we can do for one another is that when we, start to, when we start to drag a little bit, when we start to slow down a little bit, it's just come alongside and say, you can do it. You can do it. Lean on me a little bit if you need to, but you just keep moving forward. And you continue to pursue a walk that looks like Jesus. Amen. I want you to read the final verse here, verse 12, that you would walk worthy of God. Who calls you? It's him that called you. You didn't call yourself. I mean, that's powerful. You need to know that he called you into his kingdom. He must see some value in you. He must see something in you worth saving. He must see something kingdom worthy or he wouldn't have called you to it. Amen? Because he knows the potential of any life. I don't care how deep in the darkest depths it is. When Jesus touches that life, it will absolutely be transformed because here's the last word of that verse, and glory. And glory. He called you into his kingdom and into his glory. What is this word glory? Well, let me throw in a Greek word for you because you already know it. Doxa. You say, I don't know that. You know the word doxology? Well, if you hadn't been in church much of your life, you might not know that, that word. But the old song called the doxology says, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Y'all know that one? Praise him, all creatures here below. That's the doxology. It's glorifying our Lord. But here's what he said. It's not this that we're glorifying him. It says that he put his glory on us. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's just like that passage that messes me up every time when I recognize that, that my sins were imputed upon Jesus. I can, I can grasp that. I've been being told that from childhood. My sins were placed on him when he was on that cross. But here's what messes me up when it says his righteousness was imputed to me. That, that, just, that just messed me up. I can recognize his righteousness, but he says, as I am, so are you in this world. For he who knew no sin became sin that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. He said, he called you and me into his kingdom and into his glory. He puts a little bit of his essence on us and in us. Paul says we're like, we're like broken vessels that are, are holding this treasure within us. And here's the, here's the most awesome thing about that. These clay vessels that hold his glory within us, the more broken they are, the more glory comes out. And he, what, what do we mean by that? The more humble I am, the more real I am, the more honest I am and open I am with you that, hey, I may not always get it right, but I always want to. I always want to. That humility lets his glory shine through. And he says, I called you to my kingdom, and I put some of my kingdom in you and on you. The essence of who I am, you're carrying it around. You're carrying it around. 
Now, we recognize that that can happen on a, on a, on a physical level. I know that when I see somebody that they've been with the Lord, it is, it is, it, it is his, it's, like, it's like when Moses came down off the mountain, they shine a little bit. His glory is on them. His glory is on them. But I want you to also know that on a, on a spiritual level, uh, the whole spiritual world knows this as well. When you've been in the presence of God, his glory is even greater. And Paul said, we want to come alongside you and encourage you, comfort you, and push you forward. You continue to pursue the glory. You continue to look more. You continue to pursue looking more like him, walking worthy of his name, never dishonoring this name. For it's his kingdom that he called you to, and it's his glory that he put on you. Amen. Amen. So dads, you're doing a good job. And don't overwhelm yourself with the role. It's huge. It's just more simple than you might think. It's huge what our role is. It just might be a little more simple than you think. I, I'm a, in the words of Leonard Skinner, I'm a simple man. Amen. <laughs> Uh, and I like to keep things simple. And as things get overcomplicated, it, it, it kind of messes with us in a little bit. And Paul says, I got a word from the Lord for us. Let's just keep it simple. Encourage, comfort, and push each other forward. Amen. Amen. And as you do, you're like a father amongst his children. So, Dad, that's what we do for our children. Men, women of Christ, that's what we'll do for one another. And, and church, I want you to know that we got, we got men in this church right now who are fulfilling that role. And you're doing good. You're doing good. So keep it up. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for men in our lives who have answered the call. You created them for it and called them to it. To be men of God who will properly represent you, who will be Jesus with skin on, who will allow the Holy Spirit to, to do what he does through us, because sometimes we just need somebody to come alongside us, to encourage us, to comfort us, and to push us forward. Lord, I thank you that you put people in our lives to do exactly that. Lord, I pray that every one of us will be responsible to do exactly that. And Lord, I pray that, that uh, Lord, that this morning, instead of adding more weight to our dads, Holy Spirit, would you just come and take some off? Would you just come along as the encourager, the one who comes alongside? And that you would just, just burrow into their minds the, the, the realization that you're doing better than you think you are. You're doing better than you think you are. Keep up that good work. Continue to encourage. Continue to comfort. And continue to push each other forward. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came, that you died on the cross, that you might save us. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just begin working in the lives of anyone who doesn't know this by experience. Or they may know it, they may know it with head knowledge, 
but they don't actually know it by experience. Lord, I pray that you would do a work this morning. There would be salvations this morning of those that said, it sounds like God's a good, good father. I want to, I want to know him as such. Lord, we just glorify you this great morning. We thank you for all that you're doing and who you're doing it through. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to have a time of invitation. Our prayer team will be at the corners of the altar. The altar's open. You can come forward, spend time in prayer. You can come forward and speak to our prayer team, and they will pray with you about anything, anything. But here's one thing that I, they are eager and wanting to pray with you about, is if you come forward and say, I need to know this Jesus. I need to know what this salvation is all about. Please come. Please come today. As we worship, you come.